IEEE Essay Voice shares insights and perspectives from the IEEE Essay community, subject matter experts, and industry leaders that are working to raise the world's standards, drive market solutions, and much more, keeping you at the forefront of technological innovation for the benefit of humanity. everyone, and welcome to the IEEE Essays Rethink Health podcast series. I'm your host, Maria Palombini. I am the Director of Healthcare and Life Sciences Global Practice here at the IEEE SA. This podcast puts industry stakeholders from around the globe on the spot to answer an important question. How can we rethink the approach to healthcare with the responsible use of new technologies and applications that can afford more security, protection, and sustainable, equitable access to quality care for all individuals. We are delighted to bring you season five, the rise in demand for telehealth equity and accessible technologies. And I'm delighted to say we're presenting this in collaboration with the American Telemedicine Association, the ATA. The ATA is a nonprofit organization completely focused on advancing telehealth, committed to ensuring that everyone has access to safe, affordable, and appropriate care when and where they need it, enabling the system to do more good for more people. And we all love that. So you can learn more about the IEEE Rethink Health podcast series and tune into our four other seasons on ieeesa.io backslash health podcast. Or you can just scroll through the Rethink Health podcast channel. So many of you out there might have heard this term, healthcare consumerism. The term was coined back in the 1930s. And in simple terms, the concept makes sense. We, as patients, are consumers of healthcare. Healthcare consumerism can mean different things to different people. However, the concept has been fueled by both a transformational mind shift in the idea of empowering patients to take control of their health data and the rise in demand for a retail shopping-like experience when it comes to healthcare services. Many have argued that this concept of healthcare consumerism has been fed with the growth of the use of telehealth services. No doubt, we see a rise in use and demand for telehealth, including the growth of RPMs, remote patient monitoring services, RTM, remote therapeutic monitoring devices, this concept of bringing hospital to the home, and more. However, the rise does not reflect everyone. A late 2020 study published in the journal Population Health Management examines telehealth use inequities during the pandemic. Essentially, it found what we already all know. People in urban areas where doctors and care facilities are already in plentiful supply were more likely to use telehealth solutions than those in rural areas. And the same was true of people in wealthier versus less affluent locales and neighborhoods. So in season five, we are bringing technologists, the researchers, clinicians, advocates, and a host of other stakeholders who will discuss this rise in demand and need for telehealth, along with a growing concern to address the challenges prohibiting equitable access for especially the most vulnerable populations. Since this is a special season, as it is a collaboration with the ATA, our guests will be a selection of speakers from the 2023 annual conference upcoming March 4th to the 6th, 2023 in San Antonio. And for those of you who are not familiar with the ATA, they always host a large annual conference every year. So if you missed this year's 2023 conference, you can definitely catch next year's 2024. We're going to hear from these experts on advancements of accessible technologies and infrastructure in progress and policy developments, but as well, how much more is needed to have a more comprehensive approach to accessibility and equity in the telehealth system. So before we get started, 
IEEE, nor does the ATA endorse or financially support any of the products or services that mentioned by or affiliated with our guest experts in this season five. Guests are invited to participate, to offer opinions and perspectives representative from their own knowledge and experience. So with that out of the way, now it's my pleasure to welcome Dr. Joseph Kavidar, immediate past chair of the board of the ATA. He's a professor at Harvard Medical School, and he's also an editor of NPJ Digital Medicine. Dr. Kavidar, welcome to the Rethink Health podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Rhea. I'm delighted to chat with you today. I am so excited to get into this interview with you. So we're going to jump right into it. And, you know, just because we're audio only on podcasts, I like to humanize the experience for our audience. So you have had a highly reputable career as a board certified dermatologist, having completed your residency at Massachusetts General Hospital and now currently a professor at Harvard Medical School. You are an early pioneer and continue to advocate for telehealth adoption. You've authored some interesting books, The Internet of Healthy Things and The New Mobile Age, How Technology Will Extend the Health Span and Optimize the Lifespan. You also do an interesting blog called Sea Health, which provides your insights and vision of connected health. So my question to you, as an early pioneer, can you share with us what drove your interest and passion for telehealth? What did you see in it at a time, let's say 30 years ago, that others perhaps could not see? Well, thanks for the question. It, it, it perhaps will sound a bit quaint, and you have to take yourself back, uh, listeners, and, and then if you're, if you're a, a younger person, you have to imagine a world where the largest hard drive was 30 megabytes. The first digital cameras were one megapixel. It was a different world. We didn't think about moving things around. We were just starting to see something like the Netscape Navigator come in. So in that context, I was uh, assigned really, as it turns out, by by uh, chance, a project to look at this new technology called digital imaging and would it be of diagnostic uh, caliber in dermatology. And it was really during a clinical trial in the early to mid-90s of that tool that I had, it was like a light bulb went off one day. And I thought, if you could separate the mental uh, intellectual activity of a provider from where the patient is, you could just open up all kinds of opportunities to change healthcare access, quality, efficiency. And I never really looked back. Um, I had at the, in the beginning, I, I thought I was probably this is the part that really answers your question. I, I thought I was among the last to have that uh, insight when, of course, I wasn't among the last, maybe among the first. And so I thought, let's get going. And, and we sort of assembled a team and got some really funding from the hospital and started moving forward and, and sort of have pursued it since. So the work's not done. Uh, as as you point out, It's there's still plenty to do, but we've we've also come a long way in 30 years. That's that's um that's awesome, and I think this really embodies the spirit when we say how can we rethink the approach to health using these kinds of tools. But you started a little bit earlier than the rest of us, so that's what's really exciting about it. Okay, so uh, I hear that you recently launched with the ATA a new podcast series entitled "Health Virtually Uncensored." So welcome to the world of podcasting. Um, maybe you could share with our audience um, the mission of the series. Like, what are the main points you would like to get out? And hoping to use this medium, like to really emphasize or bring awareness to uh, things of that nature. Well, thanks again for that 
for that question. And, you know, audio, as, as you, you've talked about audio only already in this, in this interview, audio is a, such a special medium. I, I, there's lots of stats and, <clears throat> and I don't have all of them at my fingertips, but people will listen to a long form podcast all the way through. Uh, whereas if, you know, you're lucky on, on a, on a video on Facebook or, or, a, a tweet that you get uh, 30 seconds of, of a viewer's attention. So there's something about the medium that's very, very charming and uh, intimate. Uh, you're right next to someone's ear. Um, and so with, with that in mind, I, I looked at our industry and of course it is ATA. So we're, we're always uh, bringing in people to talk about things that are on our minds at ATA, whatever's topical at the time. But there's also the, the, the title is very deliberate and it, it, it's, I think one of the things we've suffered from in, in our field over the years is people for whatever reason have tended to over, um, state a little bit, their successes, whether that be through numbers of consults or revenue dollars or whatever their thing is. So I wanted to bring in people that could really, and, and, and essentially ask some hard questions too, like what, what really needs to happen? Where are we really? What? So we've done one episode. We have one coming out in a, in a week or so. We're going to record a couple more at the annual conference. I have done podcasting before. I, I love it as a, as a tool and as a way to get the word out. So very excited to see it launch and, um, and move forward. And, and the first one got a lot of uh, attention. So we're off to a good start. That's great. I agree. I I, uh, if I could, I just, um, the one thing that I realized after we launched I didn't pick this up before, but if you want to find it on Apple podcast, you're, you're best to search either my last name, K V E D A R or health dot virtually dot uncensored dot. It's, it's, uh, we probably have to change that, but it's, if you just put in health or health comma, it won't come up. So and you can also find it on the ATA website. So we, we love for people. Uh, rate, review, subscribe, et cetera. And, and thanks for, for the plug. Yes, absolutely. I think whenever we can get good information out to our, our listeners, I'm all, I'm all for it. So uh, definitely yeah. everybody, you podcast lovers, uh, please be sure to check it out. All right. So we're going to get to some good stuff. Why are we here? Right. What are we going to talk about? It's really important. So, yeah. you know, uh, some have opined or argued that 90 to 95% of healthcare interactions by the year 2030 will be non-face-to-face. -face. This is pretty significant. But uh, through our experience or your experience at the ATA in your research, you have written and advocated for making telehealth a permanent part of care delivery by creating a system of omni-channel care that includes both in-person and virtual care. So can you share with us how real this 90 to 95% number can be Looking at some of the continued challenges, which I know you've written about as well, having with payers and disbursements, this confusion around policy, and overall, not a very comprehensive rate of adoption from patients. Yeah, that's a great question. So I, I guess I'd start by saying 90 to 95% seems quite aspirational to me. And, and I'll quickly add that I'm not sure why people aspire to numbers like that, right? Mm -hmm. The answer should be, what is the right way for you as a patient to get your care in the moment. If it is the best way for you to get your care is through a chat bot, 
or through an urgent care facility for a video visit. You, you early re referred earlier to remote patient monitoring. Um, the point is you should have access to all those channels and they should be, uh, you should be using the one that best suits your need at the time. I, I don't know why anyone would aspire to have 95% of our care delivered virtually. Um, there, are, there are times when patients and or doctors really want to see you in person. There's a reason why that's special too. So it has to be balanced. Um, and I don't know the right number. It's interesting. I follow the Fair Telehealth Tracker, um, which tracks a percentage of healthcare claims. Um, and it's about 5% now of all claims are telehealth. Just for a quick comparison, before the pandemic, about 0.2% were, were. So it's it's been significant. It's been consistent uh, uh, for at least a year and a half now that it's about 5%. Again, I don't know that that's right. That might be low, but 95% might be high. And either way, I think what we want to do is figure out the best way to deliver care. As, as we've said, telehealth is about access. It's about efficiency. It's about quality. And you as a patient have to be cared for in a high quality way, no matter what the channel you use is. Absolutely. I think it's really important. Uh, and I think it's a good point. It's like, what's the best model that works for you and what you need to get? So totally uh, important point to get across. <clears throat> so uh, getting talked about access and obviously making sure people can have access to, to care. You know, we all know that there is an inequity in the traditional healthcare system of care and delivery that has carried over naturally to the telehealth domain. Uh, many have argued that it's simply because rural and marginalized populations don't have adequate digital access infrastructure to use telehealth or digital health services. Would you agree or disagree that if the global community came together and just say, hey, we're going to fix this issue of lack of digital access, wouldn't we really solve the problem? And would they, the patients, utilize the telehealth system? Or maybe is the problem a bit larger and complex? There is an issue of trust that seems to always fly under the radar, like trust um, by marginalized populations in the healthcare system. I know this is a major area of your of interest to you in, in the work and the research you have done. So maybe in your perspective, how can telehealth bring some trust into the healthcare system to mitigate this issue of inequity or fear of utilizing the technology and these services? Well, well, Maria, let's unpack that a little bit. There's a lot in that, and you sort of answered your own question in a way. So, so the first, the first part is about extending broadband. Let's pretend that we had a magic wand and we put broadband in everywhere. Uh, you're quite right. That that is a step. It's necessary, but not sufficient. It's not going to solve the problem. Without it, it's hard to solve the problem. But with it, the problem still may exist. Trust is part of it. Uh, digital literacy is part of it. Affordability is part of it. Um, and so the ATA, I, I'm quite pleased with our, our CEO, Ian, is a wonderful leader. And she pulled together uh, over a year ago, a group on diversity, equity, and inclusion in telehealth to, to tackle this issue. Because as much as people might say that telehealth, and you, you cited a study earlier, um, led to some inequities, we would argue that it could be a digital divide crossing tool if employed in the right way, because again, it extends access. And so many of those individuals we're talking about could be urban, could be rural, doesn't necessarily mean, but having access, if you gave it to them in a way that was 
acceptable uh, uh, would, would be, I think, an exciting thing. So that's one thing we're working on. In terms of trust, you know, you're quite right. I've, I've been thinking about this. I actually just published a blog on it, and I intend to talk about it at the annual meeting coming up in about a month that you referenced. Uh, when I started out, I used to bristle at uh, folks saying, um, well, I guess this this new technology that you're talking about would be okay for a for a patient who didn't have access to a real doctor. Um, and I would get so annoyed at that because, of course, I was a believer from day one and an evangelist and trying to say, not only is it good for rural, it's good for urban. It's again, it's another channel. It's not perfect and it's not the only channel, but it's another channel. So um, that signaled to me early on, and I didn't really articulate it this way, but it signaled to me that there was this sort of lack of trust that somehow, and it still exists, uh, there are many layers to it, but that somehow when you use a virtual channel to deliver a service like this, that that there's a an erosion of trust. Could be because... Uh, you know, the old adage, no one knows you're a dog on the internet, right? It, it could be because there's an unf sort of a lack of familiarity on the internet. There's a, there's a randomness to it. Um, I often tell the story of a, of a doctor who I was told by friend. So I, I assume this is a true story since, but a, a doctor who took a, a video call with a patient with well, sitting on the beach with no shirt on. You know, that individual, a man, uh, oh. would never go to the office, I think, with no shirt on, right? Why Why do people feel like they can do that? So I know I've been babbling a bit. There's a lot to it. There's a lot to to uncover and trust. And, and again, it's something that we're going to be focused on in 2023 at ATA. So looking forward to, to unpacking and peeling back the onion and trying to fix it. Mm, absolutely. I think just overall, anything trust in an internet or virtual environment you just can't help but have that that complexity around it. Um, we see it in every, obviously, healthcare is naturally an area, but we see it in every other industry as well. It's competition time. Do you have an early stage innovation that would enable bringing hospital to the home? The second annual IEEE SA Telehealth Tech Competition is currently accepting submissions. The competition is open for any individual or team from anywhere around the globe. If you have a concept or product or service that will lead to more feasibility, accessibility, inclusivity, security, and more in supporting all patients to have the right to care while at home, then jump into this competition. We are accepting submissions through 31st of May, 2023, and there is no cost to enter. The winner will benefit from international marketing awareness, a mentorship opportunity in a major innovation lab, and a speaking position at a global IEEE event. For submission guidelines, visit ieesa.io backslash telehealthcomp, T-E-L-E-H-E-A-L-T-H-C-O-M-P. Don't forget, you have until 31st of May to get your application in. And again, that's ieesa.io backslash telehealthcomp. Okay, so healthcare consumerism. We as patients are consumers of healthcare. 
And there's just been this fury of discussions, research papers more recently, and this idea of patients being empowered uh, to take the driver's seat of their health data and care, um, especially now that more and more they're expected to pay out of pocket um, for their, their services. <clears throat> and a great deal of this is fueled by the convenience of the telehealth experience we know where patients are likening it to an online shopping experience. I mean, given your work, um, what is your perspective on this topic? Um, do you envision maybe a future with a full swing reversal where patients are completely in the driver's seat, like completely medicine being, you know, patient driven um, and commanding that real tail like experience where they're no longer waiting 30 minutes to see a doctor. It's like, I'm here, you service me now concepts, right? There's like all this discussion, um, taking the full ownership of the healthcare. I mean, what do you think telehealth kind of plays the, the best role in this mind shift? Well, you know, the, this is another great, uh, thoughtful question. I reminded of, of uh, again, back, back in the day when I started uh, doing this, uh, another trend that was, was happening early in, in, my, in my career of, of uh, telehealth was the trend of patients um, looking things up on the internet. And at the time, a lot of doctors kind of blanched at that. People would bring in printouts to the doctor and the doctors would get very upset with them. Uh, we, at that time, we all sort of felt like what, what's between the patient and me is that big, thick textbook on the shelf. My education, my uh, use of a certain linguistic when I talk, uh, all of that sort of creates um, a little bit of mystery around the role of being a doctor. Uh, and, and so some of that still exists. And I think it always will. Like, you know, there are some professions, if you need an attorney, you need an attorney. I don't, unless you're trained as an attorney, it gets to a point where you, you need that expertise. Unless you're trained as a physician, at some point, you're going to need my judgment. And it's citizen science can only take us so far. But with that said, I think we are in an era and, and increasingly where patients are in the driver's seat. They're voting with their feet on various types of health plans, whether it be virtual first or uh, et cetera, where they feel like if they need a certain service, they're going to get it. And the other example I would give on this is all of these, uh, I would call them maybe carve outs, but, but services like uh, where you could get birth control filled on, on a uh, website, or you could get your um, uh, erectile dysfunction medicine on a website, or there, there's, again, many of them, a lot in behavioral health. And the idea behind those is simply pointing out that there's a market need for to make certain what I call transactional services. You don't need to get birth control filled. You, you don't need a whole lot of relationship with a doctor. You just need to make sure it's safe for you and you get the prescription. And um, there are those snippets of care, as I say, where if we as traditional healthcare providers were providing the service in a way that suited everyone, those companies wouldn't be succeeding. So they're meeting a market need. I think we have to look at it that way and, and rethink how we deliver our services. So again, long-winded answer, we're, we're in the middle of that journey. We'll never get to the point where it's totally like retail, I don't think, mm -hmm. but we are going towards a place where patients have much more control and that's a good thing. Absolutely. And just for our audience, if you notice, Dr. Kavidar said rethink. So it is an important part of our process in the health system. <laughs> there you go. 
All right. So as you mentioned, and we talked about the annual AT 2023 conference is upcoming in a couple of weeks uh, on March 4th to the 6th. And obviously it's going to be in San Antonio. Um, and you also just mentioned a few moments ago that you will be presenting an important keynote on the value of building trust in the telehealth system. But also the ATA is celebrating an important milestone, its 30th anniversary, which may shock some of our audience to know that telehealth has been around for more than 30 years. Um, so maybe you can share um, your perspective on this important milestone. How much has changed, obviously, being an early pioneer and obviously seeing the evolution? And really, how much has been realized that was originally predicted versus what has really come to pass? Yeah. Again, love the question. I'll be, I, I promise you and your listeners that I won't be, be too sort of reminiscent of the good old days. Um, but one of the things I, I like to use as an analogy for, for when this kind of question comes up is, and if you've seen the original film Blade Runner, uh, there's, there's a lot of interest in that. So that film was shot, I think, in 1980 or so. Mm -hmm. And it so allegedly took place in 2020. So at the time, that was 40 years in the future. We had things like flying cars that that hasn't come to be, but but there was a scene where uh, uh, the the main character has a video conference, and what I find fascinating about that is they got the video conference part right, but he went to a payphone to do it. Uh, there was no notion that you'd be carrying this thing around in your pocket that had network, a video, uh, a storage, all of that rolled in, you know, photography, all that rolled into one tiny device. So. Those are some of the things that I think really have changed the world. The, the iPhone and, and the interface that Apple created, which of course was immediately adopted by Android, that sort of changed everything because it made it easy for people to interact with this tiny computer in your hand and do all these things. And we just don't even think anymore about how important mobile is. Search was a similar kind of advance just having browsers and being able to do work through browsers, uh, having software in the cloud. I mean, there's so many examples. And I think in the last 10 years, wearables uh, as well, and, and the connectivity and the feedback that wearables give you. So that's, that's a little bit of a gamish. I'll, I'll give you that. But, but when I look back at the beginning, and what's funny about it was at the time, any, any point along the 30 years, what we, we thought we had the right technology to do the job. Typically in healthcare, we're always behind the technology. So, you know, in the beginning, we had these big two two companies were were uh, prominent: VTEL and PictureTel. These big CRT displays with big uh, codecs underneath them, seventy thousand dollars a pop. You had to run three ISDN lines. It was a nightmare, but we thought that was great, and people did it. Uh, and again, 30 years fast forward and you've got in the palm of your hand, you can connect anywhere wirelessly and it's a different world. So all that said, it's been remarkable. And yet, as you and I have said, telehealth isn't probably where we need it to be yet. We still have a long ways to go to get it in that proper omni-channel world that we've talked about. And we look forward to uh, those challenges and getting them right as time goes on. Absolutely. I think it's a continuously evolving and emerging uh, technology and domain. So uh, I think we're getting ready for this conference, right? Well, I'm going to be there. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> but, uh, maybe from your side, you can share with our audience who may be coming, who may be thinking about coming, 
what are you what are some of the technologies or issues or areas that you think are going to be covered at this year's conference that maybe people something new that maybe people should be like maybe keeping their eye on anything that maybe has caught your eye so far well, I can't necessarily speak to new technologies only because they show up on the exhibit floor usually or, or in some of the research. Uh, we, we do have a very strong research track with posters and presentations, highly curated. Um, we have a lot going on on the exhibit floor in terms of uh, uh, supplier presentations and, and new things going on, trying to attract a lot of uh, early stage companies to show their wares as well. And we have a innovators challenge. So there are a lot of ways to, to get new stuff in. Um, but some of the themes, one of them is going to be, uh, this has been on our minds for two years and it's, or three, and it's not going away, which is just extending all of the regulatory environment in the right direction to allow us to keep delivering this care. Um, we now have a window till the end of 2024 for most of things, but because it's an election year, we think we're going to really have only a year to try to get that uh, extended further. So that will come up. Um, you know, this idea of omni-channel comes up and that's going to be uh, a prominent one. We have an executive invited session for a whole day where people are going to talk about, uh, you mentioned, we both mentioned, uh, excuse me, equity. Equity is a big focus of ATA. So, so those are some of the themes. Again, it's uh, it, it's a little bit like a com, uh, like a a street of a fair. There's so much going on in a good way. So come, learn, uh, meet people. Um, and and San Antonio is is just a lovely place. Absolutely, especially this time of year. Um, so uh, you know, we're coming to the close, and you know, Dr. Kavitha, you already given us so much insight. Um. Perhaps you can share with us one final parting thought um, and with our audience, share with them, you know, maybe something when it comes to the challenge, the issue, you know, the needs to gain wider adoption. You know, I think um, these kinds of challenges, it takes a village. I don't think no one person or one group can solve them. So, you know, what can we do as a technologist, a researcher, a clinician um, or any other someone who's committed to seeing the process, you know, become more trusted and ethical and equitable for all? Sure. I, th I thank you for the, for the opportunity. I, I mean, I, I assume that the IEEE audience is going to be people who are keen on innovative technologies. And my message to those folks usually is simplify as much as possible. You get as much feedback from end users in your, in your de development as possible. Um, unfortunately, when we have engineers devise tools that other engineers like, sometimes they don't go as far in the marketplace as quickly as, as we might like, because people are there. That's those people are really smart. And most of the folks they want to design for aren't as smart as them. So just be really thoughtful about making things uh, easy to use, intuitive, um, and exciting. I think there's a, you know, this technology nowadays, whether it be wearables or other uh, apps, et cetera, the ones that are winning are ones that people just delight in using. And, uh, and I think we can make healthcare delightful in, in that way. Absolutely. Um, so thank you, uh, Dr. Kavidar, for joining me today. Um, this has been really, really insightful conversation.
I want to thank the ATA for collaborating with the IEEE Healthcare Life Science Practice to bring this special season five of Rethink Health um, to you, our global audience. Um, you can learn more about Dr. Kavidar and his research, his blogs. They're all available on um, joekavidar.com. And I'll spell that for you all. J-O-E-K-V-E-D-A-R.com. Just for all of you out there, many of the concepts in our conversation today um, are addressed in various activities throughout the IEEE Standards Association Healthcare Life Science Practice and its you know, standards and pre-standards um, programs. The mission of the practice is to engage multidisciplinary stakeholders around the world to have them openly collaborate, build consensus, and develop solutions in an open standardized means. Um, we have activities such as wearables and medical IoT interoperability intelligence and transforming the telehealth paradigm industry connections programs, which are really addressing the many things around equity, accessibility, feasibility, privacy, security, interoperability by design, all these challenges we're seeing um, pervasive in our healthcare, uh, in our telehealth system. If you want to learn more about all of the activities, visit ieesa.io backslash HLS. So a special thanks to you, the audience. Uh, we invite you to share this podcast with your colleagues and networks to help get this information out um, to those who want to make a difference and contribute to overall better healthcare. We want to thank you for joining and keeping doing the great work you are doing to improve our healthcare system. Be sure to tune in to our other episodes of season five, which will have some exciting speakers uh, from the 2023 ATA annual conference. Um, stay safe and well. Until next time. Today is another day to dream big and bring new designs and ideas to life to support the growing need for telehealth services and technologies across the world. However, as a tech entrepreneur, going from concept to product to market success is not an easy feat. Whether you are a first-time or experienced entrepreneur, getting advice from mentors who have the knowledge and experience either in technology design, compliance, early seed funding, or breaking ground into the healthcare market can benefit you along the way. The IEEE SA Global Telehealth Startup Community is helping early-stage tech entrepreneurs with access to these mentors while giving them a platform to have a voice in the challenges that continue to inhibit innovation and growth in the domain. If you are a tech entrepreneur and would like to join your peers in this global community, visit ieesa.io backslash telehealth-startup. There is no cost to join. You will not only have the option to advance your objectives, but also you will contribute significantly to optimizing adoption of these technologies, which will benefit the telehealth system for all stakeholders. Visit ieesaio backslash telehealth-startup to join this growing community. On behalf of IEEE Standards Association and IEEE SA Voice, thank you for joining us today. For more information, please visit standards.ieee.org. We hope you'll join us again soon.